This is Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about liturgical worship. I'm Father Yuri Claudio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning. I'm joined by my friend and teacher, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. We are here to talk about the service of baptism, particularly the part of the service where there's the ablution and the tonsure. Now, these are two words that are probably not used that often by people in our society, Father Jeffrey. Um, People usually, you know, unless they're trying to sound fancy, don't talk about their ablution or anything like that. Um, And then tonsure, that's kind of a weird one. If anyone knows about tonsure, it might be something like those, you know, old Middle Ages paintings with monks with no hair except on the side, you know, on the very sides of their head or something like that. Um, So I thought to start this podcast, since we're talking about ablution and tonsure, maybe we should actually just simply define ablution and tonsure. And then I kind of want to talk about talk about them a little bit more from there, the the history of it and that kind of thing. So Father Jeffrey, do you mind giving us just a quick rundown of ablution and tonsure? Right. Well, um, as you say, we don't tend to use the the word very often, although some people occasionally talk about their morning ablutions. Um, Mm -hmm. And ablution is just a word that means to wash away. Right. It's just, you know, and from the Latin, um, ab means away and the the verb there, luere, means to to wash. Right. So to wash away. It has to do with uh, washing off the chrism, which we'll have to talk about, you know, why have we gone to all this trouble <laughs> only to undo it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, tonsure, you know, literally just means to, to, to cut hair. Um, and it, it was, has always been a kind of, you know, both of these things, the, the ritual washing and the ritual cutting of hair have, you know, they play parts in, in, uh, you know, religious rites, not even just in, in Christianity or Judaism, but, you know, across many, you know, cultures and, and so forth. So to use these more formal terms is to connect it to the, the kind of religious, you know, ritual side of things. But, but there are physical acts that, that are, involving washing and cutting hair uh, that will come in this part of the service. Right. So ablution, I mean, just understanding it as a washing away, I think people can understand that. I mean, we do that with our everyday life. We wash our hands, we wash our face. Um, we get some dirt on our arms or because we're gardening, we go to the sink and we, wa- we wash them off, right? I think we can understand that. Tonsure, I think, is a bit more of a weird one because, I mean, we do get haircuts, but we don't have haircuts that are associated with any kind of ritual anything at least most of us don't um and a tonsure also to me when i think of tonsure i also don't even think just of religious uh practices because i know you mentioned outside of christianity there are uh practices of what you do with your hair basically and when do you cut it but like even in the military at least traditionally and certain militaries, you would have to like get the same haircut as everybody else, right? It was a sign of, I don't know, maybe conformity or bringing into line or cr- maybe a community creating, like ever giving everybody the same haircut, um, flattening the uh, the social hierarchy, so to speak, um, that we're all in this together. So I'm wondering, like in the context of an Orthodox baptism in which a a tantra happens. I guess the first place to start is we don't cut all the hair off the person who's getting, 
baptized. Do you mind just giving a quick, like what actually physically happens at a tonsure, Father Jeffrey? Yeah. I mean, I suppose there are different variations in, in local practice, but essentially, you know, a very small amount of hair um, is trimmed. I often have to reassure the, particularly the, the female <laughs> adult, um, you know, newly illumined um, people that just, that I'm not going to, you know, ruin their um their physical looks and anything about this, but just a tiny little bit of hair from uh, from the head is taken, and normally in the sign of a cross. So you know, from the front, from the back, and from each of the sides. Um, and you know, it as the prayers, which we'll get on to, you know, refer to. Um, you know, it harkens back to scriptural passages like Samuel blessing David. Um, you know, with the the trimming of hair, uh, it 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 obviously connects to you know other uh, you know sacraments. For example, you know monastics. Um, one of the first stages, essentially, of becoming a monk or a nun is to have a, a tonsure. Now. In different parts of the Christian world in centuries past, that tonsure took on, you know, very distinctive forms, right? So there was the kind of, uh, you know, famous, you know, Roman tonsure, which was like a whole bald section in the middle of the head, you know, for, for monks. Um, the Celtic tonsure, which was more dramatic indeed, which was that the whole, you just imagine a, a straight line across the top of your head from ear to ear, everything in front of that was shaved and then everything behind that was left um, growing. So, I mean, very distinctive, um, you know, hairdo indeed. Um, so we don't do anything like that, you know, for, for the ordinary, uh, Christian, but the, it's, it's all connected, you know, to the same thing. There's a kind of offering from our own, you know, body, uh, towards God, a kind of, uh, you know, a commitment that is sealed by part of our own being, part of our own, you know, bodily, um, expression of being and and it's it's connected to this commitment to this you know being sent forth and you know used even the the analogy of you know military haircuts and and things like that it's not disconnected from that kind of idea either because some of the imagery in the prayers here um has you know real you know kind of battle and military and armoring uh, overtones you know to it We've spoken the previous episode when we were talking about the scriptural readings about you know this is not a time now to just sit down and relax and and rest on your laurels you know it's not like job done i've been baptized i'm in you know now i'll take my my rest this is about being commissioned and being sent out and to to know that you know as part of this new life is a confrontation with all that remains of the old life. All that remains of the old creation has to be confronted by this bringing into the world of the life of the new kingdom, the new creation. And uh, it's a battle and that requires armoring. It requires commitment. And part of that commitment is about this kind of physical offering that is offered um, in a modest way, but in a no less powerful way. Well, let's go back to ablution. So my understanding, and correct me where I'm wrong, Father Jeffrey, my understanding is that in the early church days, the person who, the candidate, when they were chrismated, was completely like covered all over with oil. Um, and they would actually, the ablution would not take place for another eight days. Is that right? Eight days? Yeah, it'd be on the eighth day. So, on the eighth day. So in uh, fact, you know, because baptism 
you know, we've talked this about this before. I mean, baptism took place at Pascha, the Paschal Vigil, right? And so the prepar- the last preparation for that was Lent, uh, and that's how Lent developed. And then you know we, we have the Paschal Vigil. The same readings from Romans and uh, the Gospel of Matthew are read at the Paschal Vigil. You know today the the, the service of the Vesperal uh, Liturgy of Saint Basil the Great, uh, at which you know baptisms are still you know to be appointed really i mean that's the ideal time of year to receive someone the the whole of the the next 8 days which as you know are you know lived as kind of one day right this is the 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 first uh week uh this is the the one day it, 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 the the, the, the the doors of the Iconostasis are open. It's the one celebration of Pascha. You know, it's this beautiful uh, expecta- fulfillment of the expectation of the kingdom that has come rushing, you know, forward to us. It's lived as one day of, of great joy. And, you know, liturgically, that's, that's emphasized over and over again. Well, here, the baptismal candidate doesn't leave church <laughs> for that whole day, which actually is eight days, right? Until, you know, the following Sunday. And in fact, um, this is the very origin of Bright Week to have this whole extension from, you know, this service over the the eight days, and it was a day in or you know eight days of uh, mystagogy. We've talked about before, but leading into the mystery. And we talked before about, you know, the you weren't told a lot about the meaning of the rituals of the mysteries of initiation, of baptism, illumination, uh, of chrismation, and uh, the Eucharist until afterwards. Well, now you are told, and we have these homilies, like from St. Cyril of of Jerusalem from, from the fourth century, where it's all about what just happened to you was this. Now let me explain, you know, what that's all about. And those homilies would have been given, and that instruction would have been given during these eight days that are one day. And, um, you know, the, this is the, you know, we're, this is living. This is the whole church in expressed in and through this newly received person living in the last day already, right? This is the the very end uh, of all things. Now, from that place, we still yet to have to go out, right? That day will end. That eight day period has to come to its conclusion, and then there's you know Antipasca, the Low Sunday, the the Thomas Sunday, which interestingly reintroduces that whole concept of hesitation or doubt, right? Um, you know that we saw reflected in the Gospel of Matthew before. But from you know until that point, this is lived. As uh, this kind of reality, but then on the eighth day, the ablution and tonsure take place, and that person is sent out along with you know the rest of the church back to the already but not yet rea- reality of our world uh, that we live in, and as we have to be kingdom bearers and kingdom bringers in into that world. But there's this whole eight days before the ablution and tonsure. Now today, obviously, for practical reasons that typically will just take place right at the end of the same service. If you're doing baptism within the divine liturgy, at least you wait, you know, until the end of the service for this, the person will have received communion for the first time. So it's a matter of maybe, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour rather than eight days, but there is, there's some degree of waiting. But if you're doing baptism outside of even that context, it seems rather hasty indeed. Someone's just been anointed and then minutes later, you know, they're, they're being uh, washed off. Um, but and we'll go on to talk about why that washing off has to take place. But you know, one of the reasons is 
we have to go back into the real world, right? You, you, you would uh, eventually, you know, you would realize that the chrism itself, you know, isn't the thing, isn't the reality. It has been, it's a sign and symbol and a powerful one indeed of that participation in the life of Christ. But, you know, to, to go out and just to have all the, 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 the muck and dirt and grime of this world kind of adhere to that oil, you know, would be to miss the point, right? So that you've lived the eight days symbolically or really, and now you have to go out, you have to face what it means to have reckoned yourself as being dead to sin and alive in Christ. And, you know, all of the prayers of this part of the service are, are charged with precisely the meaning of what that looks like. The podcast you're listening to reflects only the public half of the overall project of enacting the kingdom. Father Jeffrey and I actively post new episodes on our completely separate private podcast. This private space gives us the freedom to debate and discuss open and sometimes controversial questions regarding the Orthodox faith amongst a smaller and more dedicated audience. If you become a patron now, you'll get immediate access to our growing backlog of private episodes, including a discussion on the ordination of women and the coronavirus multiple spoon controversy. To get access to our private podcast, go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. Looking forward to having you join our growing community on Patreon. Now back to the show. Well, maybe we can talk about you know what it means to remove the the chrism i mean, there's so many of our ritual actions that we do in liturgy um like so, let's for example the crowning at a wedding right so the, the couple comes they have crown, they are crowned and then before the before the end of the service before they actually go back out into the uh, to the reception or whatever it might be the crowns were removed as part of the ritual right not as sort of an afterthought it's actually built into the service um I mean, per- perhaps even the Eucharist be- could be part of this, where you know the consecration, the 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 body and blood of Christ, you know, on the altar table, ultimately is consumed by the faithful, and it's not. It's if you were after the service, if you were to say, "Okay, where is the body and blood of Christ?" You would have to point at all the people who are going back out into the world. Um, That's right. So it's yeah, it's sort of like um, it's not it's not a this isn't a reality anymore. It's that this is now, well, and maybe the, the oil is a good metaphor because the oil seeps in to your skin too, mm-hmm. right? And it's not only something that should be on the outside as a ritual symbol anymore. It's something That's that right. should have seeped into your heart uh, and that you, that you live out every single day of your life. Like if you're a married couple, you have to always know that you're wearing that crown, right? In every moment of your life. It's not yeah. just, oh, one day I wore that crown. It was, no, you're still wearing that crown. That's a kind of a deeper, uh, a deeper understanding of it. Yeah, that, that's right. That, um, you know, to, to focus on the sign itself is to miss the point, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the analogy with the crowns is, is quite apt because originally, you know, those were worn for eight days as well, you know, so there's that whole symbolism of renewal and so forth that comes from uh the the number eight you know the eighth day is the day of the kingdom it's the day of the end and so forth and so just like the married couple now have their real crowns waiting for them in heaven but also embedded into the very fabric of their life together a life which 
you know, images forth uh, the the love of Christ and the church. You know, so too the the one who has been baptized, that anointing with that oil, which is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's the to, to as I said, just kind of leave the oil on as though that were the point is to miss the real point, which is that the oil symbolizes God's covenant love and the indwelling of his presence, this Emmanuel, you know, that the Gospel of Matthew emphasizes, and the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit in the church and in every person who is born anew in Christ. That's what needs to be remembered here. That's what needs to be accounted and reckoned, um, as St. Paul says. And, you know, so the, the, the taking away of the sign of the sacrament is not an undoing of it, but it's rather a, you know, kind of ramping something up and really putting off the focus of our, of our reckoning and living of this onto a new level. And that level is the life of the age to come, right? Um, it's not dissimilar to the fact that, you know, we are, we knew we've not yet laid down our physical lives, but we have truly died, right? And so, you know, the, it's almost like the, the physical part of that, you know, is not the thing to focus on. It, it's to miss the point to say, well, hang on a minute. I didn't actually see somebody die here, <laughs> right? I didn't actually see a physical resurrection. That is elsewhere. That is yet, you know, to come, but the reality is there. And so if we were so distracted by crowns at a wedding or by, you know, here, the, the, the presence of the oil, you know, we'd be looking to see, well, how much of it is rubbed off today, you know, as the person kind of lives their life. And when that rubs off, does it need to be added on, you know, further? We need to, to go away from that, uh, the, the sign uh, and, and move to what it signifies, move towards what it's pointing to, which is that full reality that the person is now participating in. And so, uh, you know, we, we do this very often, you know, in the sacraments where uh, we, we redirect the, 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 the focus of our, the attention of our hearts and minds and bodies and lives has to be on the underlying reality. So as you say, in the daily life of a married couple, it's it's the crowns that are embedded and the crowns that are awaiting them um, in heaven that matter, not, you know, the state of, you know, if they had floral crowns that maybe faded and and the leaves fell off or, or, or whatever, or if the metal crowns in Slavic tradition, if those became tarnished or whatever, I mean, that's to miss the point is to focus on on that. It's the underlying reality, the kingdom reality of this that matters. Mm -hmm. Well, let's move to some of the prayers actually that occur just before and during the ablution and the tonsure. For the ablution, Father, I think maybe we should just go right to the third prayer okay. um, and just do that one, um, if that's okay, unless you think we should read the first two as well. I may refer back to the others, but go, sure, read the sure. third one. Okay. So here is a prayer just before the ablution. He or she who has clothed himself or herself in you, O Christ our God, bows also his or her head with us unto you. Keep him or her ever a warrior, invincible in every attack of those who assail him or her and us, and make us all victors, even unto the end, through your incorruptible crown. For yours it is to show mercy and to save us, and unto you do we ascribe glory together with your Father, who is from everlasting, and your all-holy good and life-creating spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. And then uh, the rubric says that the presbyter then dips the sponge in water and sprinkles the child, saying, You are justified, 
you are illumined, you are sanctified, you are washed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And then another rubric says, with a sponge, the presbyter washes the oil of chrism from the face, the head, the breast, and all other places, saying, you are baptized, you are illumined, you have been chrismated, you are sanctified, you are washed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And there you have that the ablution. Yeah. So, um, first of all, you know, the language of this prayer and the ones actually that, that preceded it, you know, has that, you know, military commissioning imagery, right? So as you just read, you know, kind of a warrior undefeated and to be victors against, you know, enemy. And then the earlier prayers referred to keeping a shield against the enemies and, and so forth. So th this is an, an arming for battle, an arming, uh, and a preparation to, to go out and, and to fight the fight of Jesus, the Messiah, the one who has already inaugurated this, but it is yet to be fulfilled. And so we need to participate in, in that very life. And the, the very fact that, that that prayer was read as the, um, the person has bowed his or her head, right? There's an acceptance of that commission. Right. There's, uh, you know, this is like the worship that was given by the disciples to the one who has all power in heaven on earth on the mountain in Galilee. And, um, and so, you know, all of that, you, you can't miss it, right? This is genuinely a going forward. Uh, it, it's not the end of a process. It's the beginning of a new life, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. When the actual washing off takes place, what is, I think, truly fascinating is, um, you know, the, there's the language here of, you know, justification, illumination, sanctification, washing, even the words baptism and chrismation, but they're not, you have been, all, you know, all this has happened, right? Uh, that you have been baptized, you have been chrismated, you know, that all happened. Remember when we were back in the baptistry, all that happened, you know, a little while ago, and now, you know, I'm just, you know, washing this off. The very moment of doing this ablution, you are baptized, you are illumined, you are anointed with chrism. Hang on a minute, it's the opposite here. The chrism's being wiped away and you are anointed with chrism. I think this just strengthens, you know, what we've been saying that in fact, the real chrismation is the presence of the Holy Spirit, is that indwelling of the Spirit, that this, don't be distracted you know, it's very important to have the physical water and the physical water. Please do not get me wrong here. I am not suggesting that this all can be done in kind of mental exercise, right? That's not the point. We we believe in that kind of tangible, sacramental reality. And, you know, I refer you back to the previous episodes. We spoke very, you know, powerfully about the importance of that. But to focus on that as a physical reality alone, to, to kind of see that only on the horizon of of the water of the oil is to miss the point these things are reference points for that greater reality and so it's i think very powerful that as the presbyter is doing this wiping away the chrism you are anointed with chrism right you mm. so where's the real chrismation it's what that symbolized and 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 made tangible for you but it's this presence of the Holy Spirit, that the chrism that is now embedded in you is not the one I'm wiping away. 
you are and remain chrismated. Uh, I, I just the, the 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 verb tense here is really important, right? It's not just you know, it happened. Now I'm washing it away. Don't forget that it happened. It's not that. It's you are baptized. You mm-hmm. are anointed with chrism. You are sanctified. You are washed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go to the prayer for the tonsure. This one, I think, I I hope will answer some of the questions about why why we tonsure or the the why it is that we do. Why, why it is that we do this, but I'll just read the prayer and then we can comment on it. O Master, Lord, our God, who has honored man with your own image, you have fashioned him for a reason and uh, for from a reason and reason endowed soul and a comely body for the body serves the reason endowed soul for you set the head, set his head on high and did endow it with the chiefest portion of the senses, which nevertheless impede not one another. And you have covered the head with hair, that it be not injured with the changes of the weather, and have filthy, uh, fitly joined together all his members, that with them all he may give. Wow, that with them all he may give thanks to you, the great artificer, you, the same master, through your chosen vessel, the apostle Paul, have given us a commandment that we should do all things to your glory. Bless now your servant, name who is come to make a first offering shorn from the head, a hair of his or her head and likewise his or her sponsor and grant that they may all exercise themselves in your law and do those things which are well-pleasing in your sight. For you are a merciful God who loves mankind and unto you we ascribe glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit and now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Well, the first thing I noticed, Father Jeffrey, is that there's a lot of this connection between what it means to have a body, but be also have a reason endowed soul, that kind of talk. But also, is there a reference to the sponsor getting their head uh, tonsured as well? There's a lot of interesting stuff in this prayer. I know. Every time I read that, I think, I don't think we're supposed to tonsure the sponsor, but this sort of grammatically implies that we do. And there's always this sort of look of horror. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, in right. the sponsor's uh, eyes, you know, when they hear that too. But uh, you look, no, to my knowledge, do it, doesn't, um, it doesn't actually require that, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think one of the interesting a- aspects of this is, you know, the comely body. You know, human beings are beautiful. In, in God's eyes, you know, we're beautiful. So one of the things we're not to do as part of this ritual is to undo that comeliness, right? To cut off too much um, hair. But it, it rather emphasizes this whole point about, um, you know, this is a sacrificial offering, you know, that, uh, you know, th- part of, of the, the human person is, is the hair that protects the head and the head is the chiefest portion of all the senses, right? It, it contains, uh, you know, our rational faculty and, and so forth. And, and so, you know, this is not an, a light undertaking, you know, and, and it goes hand in hand with this charging, this commissioning to go out into the world. It's a serious business and it begins with a serious sign, uh, a clear sign of, of, of sacrifice, of commitment, of, of desire to, to go to whatever extent is required in order to fulfill the, the mission that has been given. Yeah, and then the actual rubric here says, you know, taking the scissors, the presbyter cuts the hair of the candidate in the form of a cross saying, the servant of God name is tonsured in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, 
And again, just to remind our listeners, the tonsure is not a full shaving of the head or a cutting off of all the hair, but just a little tiny, almost like a little first fruits offering or something that you know anyone who gets baptized is able to offer. Um, just this small yeah, bit. And of if, if the child, as we've talked, talked about, you know, often this is infant baptism these days. Um, there's not a lot to work with <laughs> in, in a lot of uh, right. children in any case. But. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we could bring it to an end there, Father Jeffrey, on the ablution and tantra. Was there anything else you'd like to mention before we uh, before we end? No, I think um, you know we've we've articulated you know the the core of this, right? That this is about a uh, kind of free response to what God has done, right? God has come and redeemed, has brought us from death to life. Our response of obviously joy and thanksgiving is joined to a commitment to follow through and to do what, uh, you know, the gospel is all about, to, to bring the life of God more fully into the world. And it's a serious business. It involves commissioning. It involves armoring. It involves uh, God's ongoing protection and presence in our lives and also our on, on ongoing trust and faith in him. And so all these themes come together, you know, at the at this the end of the service. Enacting the Kingdom is a patron-supported show, and if you're not a patron, you're only getting half of everything we create. If you'd like to join our growing community of supporters, please go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. Your patronage goes a long way to keeping this show going. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.